Hello and welcome to the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on July 8th, 2022 from James Island. Yes, that's right. I'm down here on my birthday, nonetheless, folks. That's right. Some of the information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. But I'm still going to be 36. Yes. Now, this episode features a very in-depth portion of the seven-hour-long House Ad Hoc Committee hearing on abortion. Seven hours and seven minutes, folks. We got it for you at the top. Senator Lindsey Graham has been subpoenaed, and we have the details for you as well. In business, we got some great jobs numbers for y'all and a report on how inflation is impacting South Carolinians. And monkeypox has reached South Carolina. We'll tell you what we know. Additionally, we want to hear your stories, so we set up a voice mailbox for you. That's right, you can call us, tell us what you're doing, maybe wish me a happy belated birthday. No big deal, 803-563-7169. Leave us your name, where you're calling from, and what's going on? It's summertime, it's it's hot, it's really hot. This is the time of year that we always talk about being the hot times. So let us know how you're enduring. Tell us about your broken AC, because everyone has a broken AC these days. We'd love to hear about your, your triumphs and your tragedies. 803-563-7169. Now for the latest in South Carolina. Currently, the spread of COVID-19 is medium, according to county-level data from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Cases are up 8% week over week in our state, with 11,844 being reported for the week ending July 2nd. There were five deaths that week as well. There are 352 South Carolinians hospitalized with COVID-19. That's up 12%. 47 are in intensive care, down 2%. And 64 are on ventilators. That's down 10% week over week. Currently, 52.4% of eligible South Carolinians are fully vaccinated. So like I said at the top, we have a long politics section for you talking about abortion and how it's going in our state right now. The statehouse grounds were locked down on Thursday in a way that I haven't seen in years. That's because it was the first hearing of the House Ad Hoc Committee on Abortion. Security primers were set up around the statehouse and the Blatt Building where hundreds of activists from both sides were lined up to get inside to testify on the bill H-3599. Now, before the hearing, Planned Parenthood held a press conference with several of their leaders, state representatives, and others. Jenny Black is president and CEO of Planned Parenthood Votes South Atlantic. She gave an update on how the recent Supreme Court ruling has already affected health care access in the region and what the state would look like if a current Senate bill were to be passed into law in its current form, which is not likely. In the days since the harmful Supreme Court ruling overturning Roe v. Wade, Planned Parenthood South Atlantic has referred more than a dozen South Carolina residents on average every day from our South Carolina health centers to our clinics in North Carolina. This week, more than a third of patients seeking an abortion in one of our North Carolina health centers are from out of state, the vast majority of whom are from Tennessee and South Carolina and we know this is only the beginning. So we are here today because South Carolina lawmakers have promised to go even further and inflict more harm on their constituents. Last week, legislators introduced Senate Bill 1373, a bill that will completely ban abortion, 
criminalize medical providers and make it illegal to even help a person get an abortion in another state. They intend to imprison anyone who helps a person end a pregnancy, whether that be by driving them to their appointment, paying for their health care, or even by simply telling them that they can obtain an abortion in another state. Even websites sharing information about abortion are illegal under this bill. OBGYN Dr. Katie Wyant spoke about the challenges that the state's new abortion law presents to her patients who may face complications in pregnancy. I've heard pro-life advocates say that ectopic pregnancies are rare and don't actually threaten life. That is not true. Since I started my training, I have treated at least one patient a month with an ectopic pregnancy. Many times, many more than that. I've seen a woman come to the ER completely stable and watched as her face pales as she, her ectopic pregnancy ruptures and she bleeds into her belly. If that ectopic pregnancy has cardiac activity, how long do I have to wait to take her to the OR to save her life? Do I need to get another ultrasound to confirm lack of cardiac activity? Do I wait and watch as she bleeds out in front of me? Charleston Democratic Representative Spencer Wetmore said lawmakers are too busy dividing people over such issues like abortion instead of working on healthier outcomes for those that are now being forced to bear unwanted children. I can't tell you how many weeks and months we spend restricting the rights of women, particularly when it comes to abortion access. We fight these culture wars designed to create fear and divide voters instead of making progress on the policies that reduce abortions and make our children's lives better. To me, being pro-life means supporting access to contraceptives, increased maternal health care, creating good jobs with paid family leave, good education and health care for children and families. Over in the hearing room, the first several speakers were against abortion and focused on their parents' choice to give birth to them despite their medical conditions for which doctors recommended abortions. Craig Scott, pastor of Beulah Baptist Church, shared his story about being born with spina bifida. What if raising this child is, is part of the reason that a marriage is still going strong after 50 years? What if this child exceeds every expectations of what the doctors expected this child to be able to accomplish? And what if this child grows up to marry the love of their life and to start a family together? And all I'm asking today is to give these children a chance. A chance to flourish, a chance to succeed, and a chance at life. And what if instead of being an uh, exception to the rule, they get a chance to become active and contributing members of society? Anti-abortion advocates focused heavily on religion, specifically Christianity, and how teachings and the Bible should dictate the forthcoming legislation. Donald Miller wore a shirt that said, Unborn Lives Matter, and introduced himself this way and referenced the Greenville Planned Parenthood Clinic he called a murder mill. I'm an ambassador for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ, and I'm a preacher of the gospel at the Greenville Murder Mill. Thus saith the Lord God, abortion, it is murder, And God wants it abolished completely, no exceptions. God demands that it be criminalized for all who participate in the murder of that child, including the mother, the father, the so-called doctors. Anyone involved in that child's murder needs to be charged for murder. We sit here and we pray, and we pray to the God of the Bible, 
earlier, and we asked, what is the will of God? The Bible says, Jesus said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. It is a scientific fact and a biblical fact that life begins at conception. The moment that sperm cell meets the egg, that is a living human being. At conception, it's decided the color of the child's eyes, its gender, its hair color, its skin, uh, its skin color. 18 to 21 days after conception, that baby has a beating heart. You see, abortion is not a political issue. It's a moral issue, a spiritual issue, and a biblical issue. We're murdering children. That's what it is. It's not pro-choice. It's pro-murder. Several husbands shared stories of difficult pregnancies and miscarriages of their wives and how bodily autonomy is critical to our country's principles of liberty and freedom. Jack Burnish specifically noted at the start of his remarks that he was not speaking on behalf of women. Here's what he said. I'm here to speak as a South Carolinian, a veteran, a Christian, a husband, a father, a brother, an uncle, and an American. I'm here today because I believe abortion and birth control access should be expanded and protected in this state. I loved that the government of South Carolina tried to stay out of our business. I love that every single thing wasn't legislated. Want to ride a motorcycle without a helmet? Go for it. Want to have the world's largest fireworks display in your backyard? Have fun. Don't forget to invite me. I felt like the state government did not involve itself unless it absolutely had to. It allowed us to make decisions for ourselves. If the government did get involved, it was with as light a touch as possible. It felt like a government that treated us like adults. Now, the Supreme Court that has, has decided that my lifetime, 48 years, isn't enough to establish a nationwide right. I respectfully disagree. disagree. The decision to have a child is a private and personal matter between the respective mother and father. The Southern South Carolina government does not need to step into this conversation. We are adults. We can decide for ourselves. At the very beginning of the hearing, out-of-state lawyer Courtney Milbank was given more than three minutes before others' testimony to present history, context, and recommendations to the committee, including model legislation that would treat getting an abortion, a legitimate health care procedure, like organized crime, which Milbank refers to as RICO, which is the acronym for Racketeer Influenced and Corrupt Organizations Act, which is a federal law designed to combat organized crime in the United States. We've seen, uh, even since the Dobbs ruling has come down, um, nearly 100 prosecutors came out saying that they would refuse to enforce any of these laws. So we cannot only rely on traditional criminal enforcement. Instead, we, were, we suggest that you also include licensing penalties, civil remedies, and criminal enforcement by state officials. Now, time has also showed us that individual, especially when we went to combating organized crime years ago, that taking down an individual member has little effectiveness on the enterprise as a whole. So we suggest RICO-style laws targeting the abortion enterprise as a whole. We have seen that the abortion enterprise will not stop. They will still work to provide unlawful abortions on demand. To combat that, we suggest RICO-style laws targeting that enterprise. It's worth noting that Milbank was one of several lawyers who sued the state of Michigan on behalf of former President Donald Trump, alleging widespread voter fraud in the state. The case was dismissed in November 2020. Democratic gubernatorial candidate Joe Cunningham, who has been needling his Republican opponent, Governor Henry McMaster, on his desire to outlaw all abortions, also gave testimony. Now remember, under our current six-week law, there are exceptions for rape, incest, fetal anomalies, or threats to the health of the mother. 
Specifically, which exceptions, if any, are in future bills is where we'll see some of the major legislative fights in the future. Just a little little heads up there as we look towards the future. Now, Cunningham actually spoke about that, but also on the contradictory nature of conservative lawmakers who blasted the Biden administration over vaccine mandates and bodily autonomy. The Declaration of Independence states that governments derive their powers from the consent of the governed. So I want to close with a quote from a letter by the United States Legislators of America sent to President Biden in objection to vaccine mandates. What does consent of the governed actually mean? If we, the people, are being forced to make a medical decision against our own volition, then these actions are no longer about consent. They're about force, unnecessary force that has bypassed our humanity. Now, many of you signed on to these exact words last fall. And if you have an ounce of integrity, you'll stand by those words now and stand up for the freedom of women to decide what happens to their very own bodies. Okay, so right now we are one House hearing down, and the House bill is still being drafted at this point. But one lawmaker from the Judiciary Committee told me that there could be a hearing on the future bill, the full bill, before the committee in August. And a special session of the House could come in as soon as September. We are expecting the Senate to have hearings on Senator Richard Cash's bill, which you heard talked about at the very beginning of this segment, sometime in mid-August, and senators are expected back after Labor Day as well. Now, it's likely that both chambers will meet separately, so we're still waiting and seeing about all that. But if you want to submit written testimony for the record, if you're for or against or you're in the middle, you can send it to adhoccommittee at schouse.gov. That's A-D-H-O-C-C-O-M-M-I-T-T-E-E at schouse.gov. Just a way for you guys to get involved because that's sometimes difficult to give testimony in the middle of a work day or after hours. So if you're passionate about this on either side, that's where you can get involved. And on the way out, Senator Lindsey Graham was one of several Trump supporters and lawyers that were subpoenaed this week in petitions filed by Georgia's Fulton County District Attorney, Fannie Willis. This is all part of her investigation into what she alleges was a multi-state coordinated plan by the Trump campaign to influence the results of the November 2020 election in Georgia and elsewhere, this according to the Associated Press. Graham attorneys Bart Daniel and Matt Austin said in a statement Wednesday that the Republican Center plans to go to court, challenge the subpoena, and expects to prevail. And they also slammed the probe as politically motivated, saying, This is all politics. Fulton County is engaged in a fishing expedition and working in concert with the January 6th committee in Washington. As chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee, Senator Graham was well within his rights to discuss with state officials the processes and procedures around administering elections, they said. Now, in the petition submitted Tuesday, Willis wrote that Graham made at least two telephone calls to Georgia's Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger and members of his staff in the weeks after the November 2020 presidential election, which Trump lost to Democrat Joe Biden. During those calls, Graham asked about re-examining certain absentee ballots to, quote, explore the possibility of a more favorable outcome for former President Donald Trump, quote. Now, Friday was not just my birthday, it was also Jobs Day. That's right. And the American economy gave me another gift. 372,000 jobs were added last month. Thank you, America. 
That was more than 100,000 more jobs than economists were predicting. Take that, economists. Showing that the economy remains strong even as the Federal Reserve is raising interest rates to tamp down inflation. The jobs announcement kept the country's unemployment rate at 3.6% for June. That's the fourth month in a row it's been at that rate. Average hourly earnings rose 5.1% in June from a year earlier, but that's down slightly from earlier this year, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. But such gains as we've talked about have been gobbled up by inflation, which is running around 8.5%, a rate we haven't seen in some 40 years. For a deeper look at this and how it's affecting folks, South Carolina Public Radio intern Finn Carlin has this report. The National Bureau of Labor Statistics reports that prices are up roughly 8.5% across the country, the highest inflation rate we've seen in decades. It's something we're now all too familiar with. High gas and grocery prices putting pain on our pockets. Sandrika Hines knows what that's like. I work a low-income job. Being able to have access to food and being able to have access to transportation because rising gas prices, it's been difficult. Difficult is a bit of an understatement for Hines, a Columbia mother supporting two young kids and an elderly relative with a low income. It's those like Hines that former USC professor of economics John McDermott says are being hit hardest by inflation. There's just no easy answer for someone with a low income and inflation. He tells me those with a low income likely won't see relief soon, but is low income livable right now? MIT has a website that adds up how much it costs for people to live in each state based on the county. It includes the price for groceries, rent, transportation, and other costs of living. The average living wage requirement in South Carolina's biggest counties is a little over 28 grand a year after taxes. That means you need to make at least twice the minimum wage just to be able to live. But even if you made that, it's barely enough. And that only accounts for one person. So imagine what it's like for Hines and her family. I'm working check to check. Um, when you work check to check, you got to choose between, oh, this bill's going to get paid, or am I going to be able to put food on the table this week? The good news is that Hines has help putting food on the table. She's part of a low-cost food service program for those who are struggling. Gordon Shell helps run that program. You know, our primary focus are those individuals with health issues. Additionally, those folks that are from low-income households, low-income families. Helping low-income families is part of FoodShare's mission. It's a statewide nonprofit that provides fruits and vegetables to those that can't afford them at the grocery store or don't have easy access to one. Shell is FoodShare's marketing director. He took me to what's soon to be their main packing and distribution center off Two Notch Road in Columbia. I say soon to be because it's still under construction, which high inflation put on hold. We have not, for instance, been able to expand to doing deliveries to some areas for what I refer to as, as our neighbor share programs. While looking to expand programs to other counties, grocery prices started rising. It's now limiting not just who food share can feed, but how much they can give. You know, there are some items that are now beyond our ability to purchase because the prices have gone up. As high prices are causing food share to provide less, more people are needing food assistance. It's a pattern that Frank Knapp has noticed for small businesses and nonprofits like food share. He's the president of the state small business chamber of commerce. Small businesses are paying more money for their goods. And every consumer knows it's not just businesses that pay more. The International Monetary Fund reports that people lose purchasing power during periods of inflation, meaning it's harder for them to pay for the things they typically buy. In a sense, food share isn't a food pantry. Their produce boxes aren't free. Smaller ones cost around $15, and Shell says they're trying to keep it that way. 
The problem is that some people make just enough to not qualify for benefits through SNAP, the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, but aren't making enough to cope with rising prices. We know we have participants where they, they're struggling you know, to make you know, every dollar go as far as they can. But that struggle has brought community leaders to the table, offering help. Leaders like Mimi Draft, a local neighborhood president who's fighting food insecurity in Colombia. It's very important for me to make sure that the people are able to access fresh fruits and vegetables. Those efforts are inspiring Sandrika Hines to help her own community as they work to get through their struggles together. Because that's part of being part of the community, you know. Once you know something, share it. For Hines, sharing is helping to take a load off people's plates and fill them too. Thank you, Finn. Great report there. And... You're welcome, by the way. A nice little present from me to you on my birthday. Aww. And you can find that whole report and so much more at SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. Yay! Now, speaking of costs, like Finn was talking about, we have a gas price update for you. It's good news. This is good news time. The current average cost for a gallon of gas in the state is $4.23 a gallon. That's down 12 cents from a week ago and 33 cents from a month ago. This according to AAA. Falling oil prices have helped offset prices despite demand increases. Another birthday present. It's official. South Carolina has its first monkeypox cases. And here's what you need to know from DHEC. On Friday, DHEC confirmed two cases of monkeypox infection. One case is in a person in the Midlands region, and the other is a person in the Low Country region. The affected individuals will be monitored until they are no longer infectious to prevent spread of the virus and will be isolated if needed. Appropriate care will be provided as needed. Dr. Linda Bell, you remember her from all those podcasts from the thick of the pandemic, our state epidemiologist. She said this in a statement, quote, We understand residents have concerns about how this virus might impact our state. We expected infections to eventually occur in South Carolina as part of the larger international outbreak, which is why DHEC has been planning a response for weeks. That said, monkeypox doesn't spread easily, and we believe the risk to the general population remains low at this time. The Midlands and Low Country regional epidemiologist staffs are completing contact investigations and offering post-exposure vaccination to people exposed to the individuals who were infected. Those people are also being monitored to determine if they develop an infection. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention has been notified and DHEC continues to follow CDC guidance in the monkeypox response. Now here's some more details about monkeypox. We always talk about it, but it's a rare, potentially serious viral illness. The typical illness begins with flu-like symptoms and swelling of the lymph nodes that progresses to a rash on the face and body. But we are learning that many cases in the current outbreak do not have the typical onset, and the rash may appear only on part of the body. Most infections last two to four weeks, and monkeypox is a reportable condition in South Carolina as a novel infectious agent. Healthcare providers are asked to notify DHEC of any patient they suspect may have monkeypox to receive guidance about the recommended evaluation. Now, again, it's not easily transmitted from person to person, but it can be spread through prolonged face-to-face contact, skin-to-skin contact, including sexual contact, and through contaminated materials like clothing or linens of an infected person. Now, if you are concerned that you have been exposed to someone who has monkeypox or have a new unusual rash, please seek medical attention from your usual healthcare provider. 
visit an urgent care center, or call your local health department. So that's the latest, folks, on the two monkeypox cases that have just been announced in South Carolina. And on the way out, a research letter published in JAMA Internal Medicine found that in 2020, heart disease and cancer were the leading causes of death in the United States, accounting for 1.29 million deaths. And this was followed by COVID-19, accounting for 350,000 deaths. The pandemic may also have indirectly led to increases in other causes of death, including heart disease, diabetes, Alzheimer's disease, and unintentional injuries. So interesting to see how COVID stacks up with some of those chronic health problems in our country. Welcome to the wind down section, our little break from the news. We talk about life during the pandemic and we want to hear your stories as well. We love catching up with you guys, hearing from you about what's going on in your neck of the woods. Maybe vacation, maybe a new job. Maybe some of these crazy summer storms have been wreaking havoc on you and yours. Let us know, 803-563-7169. Maybe you're at the beach right now. You're listening. You're thinking, I have plenty of free time. I'm sitting on the beach listening to Gavin. Why don't I just call him? You can do that, especially if you're listening on your phone. Just call 803. Come on. 803-563-7169. Hit send. And we will answer the phone. We will answer that phone call. Or someone you know what? representing us. We're well. changing it up. We're yeah. Gavin, give them your personal phone okay, number. Okay, it's 803. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just di- yeah, yeah. it's just mash 911. <laughs> if this is an yeah, emergency, uh, hang up and call 911. <laughs> now, AT- I know that Gavin walks around with 91 dialed oh, all the time. Oh my so God. Just in case. Always. Uh, just in case he has that, he could just hit that last one. It's not that I live in fear, it's that I'm always <laughs> fearing. <laughs> I live in I live in fear. <laughs> Okay, good. Yeah, good. Oh, sorry. I just pressed the one. <laughs> you scared me there. I, just, I pressed the one. Mm-hmm. They know it's, me by it's name. It's tough. It's, I mean, even on your birthday, walking around with 9-1 dialed. So, I mean, just inside always the prepared. House. Very proud of you. Yeah. It, the call is coming from inside the house, Gavin. But anyway, yes, ask me the question. I don't care what day, whose birthday it is. Ask me the question. Uh, we got a call. Do we have a call? At is there a call? We the got hop? a call. Hey. We got a call. Yes, you're 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 constant begging. It's pathetic, honestly, <laughs> but you're begging. I'll it take worked. it. We got a call. Okay, we got a call for your birthday. Uh, so you ready? Yeah, hit it. It's it's another. I mean, last last episode we had Ben. This episode we have another legacy caller uh, here. So good. are you ready? Yes. Please. Here we go. Hey, uh, Gavin and At. This is uh, Victoria from Northeast Columbia. Just uh, checking back with you. Uh, we're doing fine. We're quad backs and still doing the masking. And uh, since the beginning of last, well, end of last year, we have greater awareness of earthquakes uh, that are happening outside Belgium. And sometimes they're pretty scary. And I have, uh, say, the USGS.gov website on my uh, phone and look at it often and see earthquakes every day and of course there's some then we check the ones that are coming through elgin and uh sometimes are pretty scary but uh i guess greater awareness of mother nature gavin have a great birthday tomorrow on the 8th um congratulations on that hope uh just wishing you uh happiness and health so you guys have a good summer we're going to be traveling to uh, north carolina and sometime over in tennessee so uh, getting out a little bit more. So you guys stay safe. Take care. Bye. Hey, Victoria. Glad to hear from you and glad to hear that all is well. 
Also, the earthquake awareness situation is real in the Midlands. I mm, bet it's spooky mm-hmm. and it's definitely jarring. But I have to say this. I hate that I still haven't experienced one. I know I don't want one of those big destructive ones because they're not big or destructive. They're just <laughs> loud rumblers and they last a little bit. But I, I want to see what the fuss is all about, AT. And uh, also, thank you for the birthday wishes, Victoria. But you've experienced I've, I've experienced that. I'm also not surprised you want to, because uh, if listeners remember, you would like to be struck by lightning yes. if you could be guaranteed to survive it. Can I make and a, say, a, an offshoot of that? Because I was at the yes. gym. I was watching Ellen. I don't typically watch TV. I was at the gym watching Ellen. She had Martha Stewart on. Martha Stewart has been struck by lightning three times. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> yes. I was only reading closed captions. One time there was a lightning bolt off in the distance and it like hit her well and she was at the faucet and got zapped. Another t- What? I, yeah, she had a couple zaps. It wasn't like Some direct people have all the hits. luck, Gavin. I know. Some people have all the luck. You know, <laughs> so, but anyway, yeah. Yeah. So I, I just I, had to I, say that. It was amazing to see that. I do hope that by the end of the day today, on your birthday, you are struck by lightning and survive. But uh, it's about non-life-threatening, <laughs> non-life-threatening. But uh, yes, I have experienced the earthquakes. There was one day, I think it was last Tuesday or something, when there were two pretty big ones in yeah. a day. And the first one, I was upstairs in my house, getting ready to go to the dentist. <laughs> And I was sitting with Chippy, the executive producer slash my cat, and uh, the, the, the whole house started shaking and it mm-hmm. hit hard like uh, there was a blast in the quarry or something. Yeah. And it was like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. and it was like, whoa, 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 whoa. And then a second one hit later that day and I felt it, but I was on a ground level, so it didn't feel as big. But I heard that technically it was larger. Okay. So Very lot, scary. I'm convinced yeah. everyone knows in Colombia that there's a quarry where yeah. there are all there are constant blasts. I'm convinced that there is a gate into some oh god Stranger Things Definitely. style upside down. They down gotta there, keep right? blasting like, through it. it. To, yeah, we gotta those we, blasts. There, that's that's them trying to get through, and and some brave soldiers are are keeping them. Fort Jackson. We don't even still. know what goes on at Fort Jackson, and that's exactly. a huge I, chunk of land here. Yeah, we are devolving into a conspiratorial podcast, folks. Sorry, we're pivoting now. We got you where we want you, and now we're going to start feeding you conspiracy theories until you just question everything. And you say, well, those guys, they got a podcast. They know what they're talking about. Yeah, Um, they have a platform. Who would platform people? Who would would have a platform and lie to you? Who would do that? I couldn't imagine. So, Gavin, moving on, ghouls, how do you feel about them? Okay, well, um, first of all, if you befriend them properly, they are actually really nice people. Ouija boards are a tool. Don't. Okay? No, I would not mess with a Ouija they board. They are a tool. Uh, paranormal on. activity <laughs> has taught us that. And not ta- not only that, but we've also <laughs> learned from our paranormal investigator friends that we you do not mess with the Ouija board unless you have the ability to deal with the Ouija board. You know what I'm saying here? If you, you know how to it, shut it. You if you know how to it. shut it off. Yeah, f- I, I don't under. I mean, the thing's made by Milton Bradley. Oh so my gosh! I'm, I'm you're not, just, I'm not you're just tempting. I'm not you're just tempting it. Yeah, that's what that's what Micah thought in Paranormal Activity. And what happened to Micah? He got dragged across that whole house. He got dragged everywhere. He got yanked out of bed a few times. Okay, Real so tough stuff for Micah. Going back to Martha, one was through the faucet yeah. in her iron sink. The other came through. Yeah. Uh, a skylight in her house, so we're gonna go anti skylights now. Yeah, and uh, she didn't bring up the third one, but she said being struck is it feels horrible. So, uh, turns out the odds of being struck by lightning in any given year is one in five hundred thousand. Wow, look at that! What's the chance of three strikes? It's got to be insane. You tell me, but math also, man. <laughs> it sounds like her house has the worst grounding in the world. Well, you know, the upstate it's so rustic. Well, it was an iron sink. Her sink was made of iron. 
That's cast iron. Yeah, yeah. enameled. That's, that's but when like you hear thunder, folks, here's some tips because it is it is dangerous out there. When you hear Hit thunder, go indoors. Get out of the pool. Get out of the ocean. Get your butt in. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you find yourself mm-hmm. in an open area, at what should you do? You should seek shelter. Lie flat like the a ground. polar bear, <laughs> but never lay flat. A ball like position is safer. Okay. Okay. Oh. If indoors, avoid lightning? electric equipment, corded phones. Mm. Yeah, turn off your corded phones, folks. Uh, don't stay <laughs> near tall structures. Don't stay in an open vehicle. Okay. Put the pop. Put the I top remember up. growing up, my stepmother was always like, "There's a light. There's a thunderstorm. Get out of the shower, AT. <laughs> Get out of the shower." <laughs> Have you ever had any of like um, your like TV get zapped or anything like that? I've heard, I've heard reports of people just like yeah. losing all their electronics sometimes. Absolutely. I've lost two since moving to the south. I've lost two TVs. Wow. And this week with these big powerful storms, yeah. my direct TV box got destroyed and they had to send me a new one. Damn. I mean, and I even after I lost the two TVs, I got like uh, uh, an electrician to come in and he put in like a super strong uh, surge protector. Surge protector, yes. And then I bought surge protectors to go into the plugs too. And still it zaps this thing. Caitlin, she's convinced. The lightning struck the DirecTV disc. I think she might be right. Some of those hits were terrifyingly close. And I was like, mm. they were crazy. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. Be safe out there, folks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I was, and then Myrtle Beach had a lot of crazy lightning activity. I saw some photos of like bolts right on the beach. Like, mm-hmm. whew, when you see those clouds coming, they're not going to go away until everything's done. So get off I've the beach. I've never really seen an alert where they were like lightning striking ground. That was the alert. It was like, the lightning is going to hit the ground around you, so be careful. Get, get, get away from the ground. So be anyway, safe Gavin, there, on that note, yes. I wish you luck getting struck by the end of the day. Happy birthday. <laughs> yes, I, I honor and cherish you. Thank you for the gift of this podcast. Oh, well, don't thank me. Thank my father. <laughs> it was one of the best gifts he gave me with this podcast in life. So uh, thank you, everyone. Thank you, Victoria, for calling. You guys can be like Victoria. Give us a shout, 803-563-7169. Someone out there has had to have had a close encounter with lightning, dare I say even been hit by a bolt. Hopefully all is well still, but let us know about some super, super scary, maybe some interesting Mother Nature run-ins that you've had. We'd love to hear these during these very severe weather days. Also, I want to note that if you want to find out more about severe weather alerts, make sure you're on Twitter. Follow the National Weather Service for the station in your area and also the SCEMD that's good for those earthquake folks out there want to know what's going on at SCEMD also in handy for um, hurricane season too so again thanks for listening folks you can show us your appreciation by leaving us a voicemail like Victoria did at 803-563-7169 or review on iTunes no big deal and you can stay up to date with the latest news on SCETV.org and SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org and don't forget to support your local newspapers for the South Carolina lead I'm Gavin Jackson be well South Carolina Chippy, don't you love that? Is he is he dancing? Is he dancing? Chippy, do you love that? Here you go. Yo, oh, he's dancing for me. He's wishing me a happy oh, birthday. Little Chip. Oh, <laughs> Chippy, little dance Chip. for me. Let me get a picture <laughs> of Chippy. A <laughs> birthday Chip. present for me? Chippy dancing? Oh, little Chip. <laughs>